Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. Nick Mastronardi, who's CEO and co-founder of Polco.us, where he leads a team bringing tech and crowdsourcing policy analysis to public policy. We're going to be talking today about social media and politics, which uh, for most of us uh, who are involved in politics, whether you're on, uh, you know, listening on your radio or online or uh, working in the industry like myself and Nick, um, the two things seem so intertwined that uh, I almost don't remember a time where they weren't, uh, you know, so commonly used uh, with one another. Um, But there was a time that uh, that was the case, but now that we are so ingrained in it, I thought it would be a great time uh, in the middle of election season, and now uh, obviously adding uh, you know fuel to the fire with uh, appointing uh, a potential swing vote on the Supreme Court. Um, it's a good time to bring on uh, Nick, who's going to talk with us about politics and social media. Nick, welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. It's a pleasure to have you. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Nick, um, you know, with, with what you do being so uh, involved uh, in social media and, you know, your company, uh, Polco, uh, obviously, um, you know, helps to increase civic engagement, um, improve government transparency. And uh, basically, the goal is to help uh, better guide public policy, which we're going to get into in a little bit. But, um, you know, having worked at the White House and having worked for Amazon, you know, you're very familiar with it. So um, having been in the industry and, you know, seeing the effects of it, I just wanted to ask you um, basically what your opinion is on the effect social media has had on politics in your mind. Well, first, I just want to say, like, I feel very fortunate to be able to work at the intersection of something that's been um, a couple passion areas for me. But I've always loved tech and I've always loved public policy. And now with the state of technology, we have the ability to bring it uh, to bear for better or for worse. And we're going through some transitional periods for sure. Uh, But there's definitely been a clear effect of social media on political participation, not always for the better. Uh, and on political outcomes. And so, uh, I, I don't know, I think maybe the best way to start in the conversation is just thinking, you know, what is social media at, at its root? Uh, and really, it used to be we only had the technologies that allowed it, that allowed, um, you know, uh, point to mass communications. And now all of a sudden, internet and peer to peer communications are allowing peer-to-peer conversations. Anybody can talk and you can almost hear from anybody that you want. And we need some ways to kind of cut through that noise. And so people have chosen different ways to do this, but largely it's based off our current friend relationships, uh, and we hadn't talked politically. So now if you want to have a political conversation using social media, you really run the risk of ostracizing your friends. So uh, a lot of people, that has kind of pushed a lot of people out of uh, communicating about politics and social media, uh, and in some ways has pushed people further to the extremes and uh, almost 
almost caused some echo chambers uh, and, and lack of conversation. So I think at the end of the day, it'll be a great thing. It's the opportunity to hear from lots of people, diverse opinions, uh, but we kind of have to be careful how we get there. And in the meantime, I think, you know, we see some of those negative effects already uh, evidencing themselves. Yeah, I think a good point you make, and I know I've personally experienced this, where, you know, you, you thought you read something very interesting or something that maybe just supported the way you felt about uh, politics in general or a specific policy. And you thought, oh, this is so interesting. You know, I can't wait to share this with everyone. And then you post it, whether, you know, on Facebook, for instance, and like you said, you have, you know, family and friends on there. And all of a sudden, someone you personally know, you know, maybe says something that really uh, is kind of cutting or, you know, maybe insulting personally. And it really, you don't, almost don't know what to do. Do you respond to it? Do you kind of just, you know, shut down and say, okay, I guess that's the way you feel? I think really it, it makes people, like you said, retreat into their corners. I mean, some people will unfriend other people um, because of that, and then they only post or read things of people who agree with them because I think people don't, I think necessarily, some people don't know how to... I guess disagree with one another. What's the saying? Disagree agreeably. Um, but yeah. it's, you know, and, and, and on social media, you know, I think it's because people feel invincible behind their keyboard and they can just, they can reply so fast with almost sometimes not thinking about it. And then it's on there for everyone to see and it, it ratchets it up and other people then respond. And, and I don't think necessarily, you know, many times people would type what they would say if they were um, with someone face to face. And it's an area that um, when you and I spoke last time, you uh, had alluded to where, you know, previous generations were able to have those conversations in a way that wouldn't be um, – you know, left online for everyone to see for, you know, people can screen grab, you know, if you felt like you wanted to delete something, it stays with you. Um, now people don't necessarily have that. Um, and the consequences um, can be far reaching. I mean, it can affect your, your employment opportunities. It can affect your job security. It can affect your, your friends and family. So um, with, with that, you know, navigating through the current climate before we talk about, you know, a better way in the future, um, are there any recommendations that you like to make to people? You know, now that I mean, you know this area well, and you you've seen some of the setbacks of what happens when people do that. Um, do you, if any friends ask you, hey Nick, I know you're into this. You know, how do you what do you, how do you recommend posting if I want to post on politics? You know, someone say a friend came to you and asked you about that. You know, would you have any recommendations for them? Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I have to be particularly careful, and because what we're building, uh, you know, I spend my day building Polko. That U.S. is a we're a nonpartisan platform. Our goal is to bring in broad participation. So you know, I, I have my own personal political leanings, but I want to be extra cautious so as Absolutely. Not to, you know preclude anybody from participating on a, on our own platform. So that's almost an extreme version. But yeah, it's uh, the things you bring up, and in some sense, it's a shame. Uh, you know, when we were talking last about. We were very fortunate when we were growing up, the ability to kind of posit constructive theories, and oftentimes they were wrong, and then we learned from them. Uh, And to have those kind of experiences today in social media uh, can have long-run implications, which could hamper, like you mentioned, uh, potential employability. I've heard stories about uh, employers saying, yeah, you know, we didn't friend you on Facebook, but here's an iPad uh, before a contingent for your employment. We need you to kind of log in here and check some stuff out. And opinions uh, can wow. be something that really get people in trouble. So I think a couple things to think about is anytime you're posting in social media today, in addition to whatever personal considerations you have, 
uh, probably some of the best things to think about are, hey, why am I really posting this? You know, it's, uh, it's a pretty fundamental question, but, you know, if you are – you know, young and you have a genuine question about what is the, you know, is this the right idea? I want to hear counterpoints. You know, make that clear. If, uh, you know, you're not, you're staunch in your position, you're not really looking to uh, to kind of move your position, but you're looking to move others' positions, you know, maybe caveat that and just kind of be clear about what you're doing. There's different reasons uh, that people post, and as long as you're you're um, clear with why you're, why you're posting what you're posting, I think that just makes it for a healthier conversation for everybody. I think that's some really great advice. It's something that, honestly, I, I hadn't personally thought about, and I do it a lot for work, but also, um, you know, just my own personal postings and things. And honestly, I, I hadn't really given that a lot of thought, but I, I think I'm going to start doing that because I think it'll really help me um, and our listeners also who are, are wondering about that, especially in an election season. I think, you know, plenty of time, you know, it, it's it gets just so ratcheted up. People get so impassioned about it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, these are issues that affect our lives. But um, if you don't do it in a manner that is constructive, uh, you know, which is your right, um, the outcome may not be something that you, you want and something that you may have to live with for a very long time, which um, there's a lot of responsibility with it. I mean, it's, it's very easy just to create an account on Twitter or Facebook um, and just, boom, go on there and start posting things. But um, the things that are on there, like like we've talked about, can stay with you for the rest of your life. Um, the, another question I wanted to ask you is, do you have any opinions on how the platform that is used to post makes a difference? I know um, an article that I think you and I had discussed discussed previously was um, uh, from the Huffington Post by Kristen Batista uh, Frazzi, where she talked, she gave some tips uh, that she spoke with uh, a Dr. Grossman, who's a, a program director who works in this, where he talked about, um, you know, some of the different mediums, whether it's Facebook or Twitter. Um, how do you think that affects uh, how people post? And um, do you have any opinions on how to maybe use one over the other? Yeah, I think, um you know, which one you post on largely depends on uh, how much you're looking to post and to whom and which of your friends are on which platforms. But I think the biggest difference between the different platforms is, is exactly how much to post. You know, obviously on Twitter, 140 characters or less. Um, but, you know, really blogs are social media as well. Uh, you know, you have the ability to follow other people and uh, customize who you share with. And so, yeah, just, you know, really thinking, like, how deep am I willing to go? You know, how, how much justification do I want to give to my points? And then uh, based on that, you know, I, I wouldn't go to Twitter for a really deep, complex, uh, you know, political proof. And likewise, you know, a big, you know, if it's just blasting something out to some friends, maybe Facebook is appropriate. But as far as political leanings of the different platforms, uh, you know, probably, you know, there's some general trends one way or the other, but it's just up to the audience that you're trying to hit with, with the message. You know, one thing I, I noticed when we discussed this before that I, I hadn't thought about is, and I think some other people have this, you know, on Facebook, it's a lot of the time it is friends and family that, you know, you're, you're, follow, or you're, you're friending, you know, whereas Twitter, you follow plenty of people you've never met in your entire life and you probably never will meet. They don't even know you're following them um, yeah. and you're posting to them. So I think that, that the audience is much different there. Um, and thinking outside of the box, which I think is uh, a great and how the future of social media um, and our you know civics is affected, I think is a great time to bring up. Um, Polko, um, which, you know, I signed on there and, and checked it out. And I just want to read one more time for our audience before we get into it further. 
um, just to give a description of it, it's a collection of products and services designed to increase civic engagement, improve government transparency, and inform municipal governments of constituents' input, which in turn will help better guide public policy. I think it's a great idea. It's something that a tool that I think many Americans wish that they had, um, especially on the local and state level where, um, you know, a lot of the legislation being passed uh, in the last um, seven years because a lot of the federal government has been gridlocked. If you look, um, a lot of laws, a lot of legislation that's been happening has been on the state level. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people, if they don't have time to maybe go to, um, you know, a public meeting in their community, that's where a lot of attention actually uh, is brought to certain issues by the people who happen to show up. Yet, you know, we have most people who honestly say, yeah, well, you know, I, it's not that, you know, those seem boring to me, or even if I did want to go, it's so hard to find the time. So why don't you kind of talk about how you got the idea for Polko and, um, you know, what you think people, uh, why you think people should sign up and, and what they should be looking for out of it? Sure. Yeah. A few years ago, a friend had suggested I read a book called Wisdom of Crowds by James Surowiecki. Uh, and in some sense, people refer to that book today as a, you know, a Bible for crowdsourcing. Uh, and, you know, for, for listeners who aren't familiar with crowdsourcing, I think of social media as a first step in these decentralized conversations where we cut through the noise by listening to people we have socially connected with before. But what a crowdsourcing platform is, it allows you to cut through noise, not just to those you've socially connected with before, but those that you want to listen to based on merits of previous conversations. So, uh, you know, one website that gets this r really, really well uh, for financial analysis is called Seeking Alpha. And so you can go in to Seeking Alpha and kind of post your projections or uh, write a short blog or a post about a company's financial futures. And if people like how you write, people like your prognostications, and uh, you end up being accurate a lot of times, you'll, you'll, develop, you'll organically develop a better followership. And so to a degree, that's exactly the model uh, that we chose to build with Polko. Uh, we want to do the same thing, not for financial analysis, but for public policy analysis. So if I want to go in there and see what, what's up, what, what's happening here, and not just you know necessarily one big newspaper or one big television station, I want to hear what friends or family or other people who I've chose to listen to based on what they've posted before I uh, think that the impacts of this policy will be. I can have a richer conversation. And so exactly what happens on Polco is we host uh, the active policy proposals that are agenda items for city governments, and we're scaling to state and federal uh, in addition to later. But once they're hosted, we avail them for online and mobile voting and commenting. Uh, we do some authentication, and then we deliver analytics of, of constituent sentiment. Uh, and so it's just an easy way for people to get engaged. We lower the barriers. Uh, and at the end of the day, we believe that uh, increased participation on public policies is the best path uh, to, getting, to getting better, more innovative, more effective, more efficient, uh, more representative public policies uh, outcomes at the end of the day. And I think that the thing that I found really about uh, interesting about this is you you have public officials who want this information. They want to get the information from their constituents. They want to be able to hear their opinions. Um, yet, like we said, so many people don't necessarily go to these meetings or speak out. So um, isn't this a great vehicle to do that where there is an, a want by public officials and this connects people who obviously have very strong opinions about how their government is run, how their taxes are spent? Um, it seems like a great marriage to me. 
Yeah, I think um, you'll find, well, what we've found is that the local, the city, county, and even, you know, our tool can work for school boards as well. Uh, but there's a lot of uh, altruistic representatives who want to better tap the, their constituent sentiment and find uh, better, better policy solutions. Uh, at the state level, things are increasingly partisan. Um, but even though sometimes there's younger representatives who, uh, you know, without data justification of their constituents, are feel compelled uh, to vote party lines. Uh, and so we kind of want to give them the ammunition and go back to their party and say, uh, hey, maybe I don't exactly want to vote party lines. Here's what my constituents feel. I feel it's my responsibility uh, to help them that way. So, yeah, in addition to, you know, all, our whole team is, is veterans, uh, former military. I was Air Force for 10 years. And so we, we loved our, our mission from that sense. But we, we feel that our new mission with Polco is, is almost uh, comparably as rewarding. And so we're really excited about it. And it's just a win that it's, uh, you know, a financially feasible business model, too, that, that city governments uh, are willing, you know, to pay. We're not very expensive, but to, to pay for a platform to facilitate this uh, broader engagement with their citizens. We're really excited about it. I mean, and even from a political standpoint, it's good politics because, obviously, if you're hearing from your constituents and you're, you know, taking their opinion, obviously you're not going to always vote the way that they want. But if, if they know that you're hearing them and that you're taking their opinion seriously and then they're having some effect on how you govern, I can only think that from a strictly political motivation that, you know, obviously it would give you a, a better chance of being reelected by a larger margin. I mean, it's just common sense would tell me that. Yeah, I mean, like, so here's the thing is, you know, I love policy. I got two young kids, um, and then I like city policy. I mean, it happens faster. The impacts uh, happen quicker, and, and they're more real uh, to me in some ways. And so it's tough for me to make it to city council meeting every two weeks. There, you know, it can be four to five hours. Uh, if I send in a letter, if I tweet to my representative, you know, I don't know where that goes. I don't know how it gets compiled in reports. I could go do one-on-one -on -one meetings, but I know my, my representatives don't really want that. And so this is just a stream, streamlined, effective way for people to have impact. And just as you said, uh, knowing that their representatives are actually, you know, choosing to use the platform and going to listen to what they said can help draw better participation as well. And something sometimes what we don't realize is uh, the way, you know, an average city runs an, an annual operating budget in the tens of millions of dollars. And to a large degree, that's driven by, you know, the, the vocal few who are able to make it out there. And we want, you know, more participation in there. There's a lot of shadow actors, especially at the state level, who influence where policy goes. Um, there's some interesting stories in that regard, but this is a way that gets more people uh, involved in the, in the conversation. And I think it's fun, too, because uh, the ability to share your political thoughts uh, is fun in the right venue. And so if you just went to Facebook, uh, you could create lists or subgroups and who you share things with. Uh, we call it, we are a crowdsourcing platform, but if you want to share, we make that possible as well. So, um, and we think that's a rewarding experience for everybody to be able to share and hear each other's uh, political thoughts in, in customized ways. Absolutely. Nick, uh, we're going to come back with one more quick segment. Uh, please check out polco.us. That's P-O-L-C-O.us. I'm talking with Nick Mastronardi, the CEO and co-founder of polco.us. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break.
Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romali. I just have one more uh, quick minute with uh, Nick Mastronardi, the CEO of Polco. And, Nick, when people go on to polco.us, I just wanted you to talk about why they give their address because I think it's important for them to know that. Yeah, we don't want to be a pain in the butt, extract too much information from any citizen. But uh, we do ask for the address just one time, and we don't share it with anybody else, just so we can corroborate the identity and check it out with the voter registration file so that we can provide to to the representatives uh, not what each individual voted, but just uh, authenticated uh, results of the breakdown of citizens and make sure nobody's voted more than once. It keeps everything uh, a little more official. Sorry for smashing your ear with Daft Punk there. We're coming up on our, our break here, so I just wanted to thank again Nick Mastronardi, CEO and co-founder of Polco.us. Check out the website uh, when you get a chance. And uh, Like I said, if your government's not on there, you can actually uh, post online to have them join. Uh, great website, great idea. Nick, thank you again for joining us. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall.